loved it. I'll send you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. back to horror queers we're talking jada pinkett smith we're talking things that kind of anticipate uh a bunch of quentin tarantino movies and of course billy zane can get it i'm joe (laughs) and i'm trace uh it's actually jada pinkett in this movie uh she has not been smithed yet so you're wrong ew smith sounds gross (laughs) i know uh joe but um we have another canadian guesting with us tonight Yes, I managed to sneak another one onto the podcast. <laughs> two weeks in a row of fucking Canadians. I love you. I love you. But I'm really starting to feel ganged up on. But, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, she is the programming coordinator at Images Festival and works as a member of TIFF's festival programming team and is also one of the directors at the Royal Cinema. You've read her work in The Globe and Mail, Cinemascope, Movie Notebook, TIFF's The Review, and Clio Journal. Please welcome Sarah Ty Black. Hello! Yes, I am Canadian, but not very proud of it. <laughs> oh! Oh, yay! I'm just living. Because <laughs> well, last week we did gender snaps for Canada Day, which that's I- huge. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's like the when you when you talk about like queer Canadian horror or like cult filming, everyone's like ginger snaps, ginger snaps, and I'm like, I hate to hate to say it, especially at the off the top of the podcast after my credentials, but I've never seen ginger snaps. Oh. You should come out. We're doing an event next week. <laughs> oh, then I will come to that. <laughs> oh my god, you have to watch that movie again, Joe? <laughs> I love... Okay, I will not apologize for loving Ginger Snaps, and I'm happy to watch it many times. It's one of weeks. those ones that's always like there, just waiting, so I don't feel particularly... Uh, like I'm yeah. gonna miss something because it's always happening. <laughs> this is so true. <laughs> well, and like so, and we're in the middle of our like franchises, um, like a, a five weeks of franchises, and um, I'll, I think all the one most of it because um, Ginger Snaps had a Scream Factory Blue, the, uh, the one we're covering tonight, by the way, which is Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight yes. has a Scream Factory Blue, and our movie next week, which we'll reveal at the end of this episode, also has a Scream Factory Blue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, Scream Factory, why are you not sending us samples? Because we are plugging your shit up yeah they don't respond to us although i do have a uh, silent hill left in my cart on their website and i get an email once a week from them saying you have this movie in your cart still and i'm like god damn it like <laughs> i don't want to buy it yet <laughs> <laughs> um but yes so we are discussing demon knight um and that's how i'm going to refer it. i'm not going to say fucking tales from the crypt presents because that's just you know, i'm leaving yeah, i'm done <laughs> Which was released on January 13th, 1995, originally scheduled for Halloween of 94, but it got pushed back. Distributed by Universal Pictures with a runtime of 92 glorious minutes. And when I say glorious minutes, though, I mean, like, I really appreciate a 92-minute movie. And, you know, without credit, it's like 87 minutes. It's tight. It's a tight 92. (laughs) But it fucking flies up by people. It does. I I liked this quite a bit. And Joe, we actually rated it the same on Letterboxd, but I think I'm less enthusiastic about it than you are. Um, I will say the ending kept pushed it from a three to a three and a half for me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I don't have budget information for this, so I don't know how much it was made for, uh, but it did open up at number three behind Legends of the Fall and something called Higher Learning, which I've never heard of. (laughs) Higher Learning, great movie. Yeah, sure. It's great okay. time for black cinema. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah Ty, what you're going to quickly discover is that Trace is like a sweet baby angel, and his frame of reference is really good around certain topics and certain years, and then yes. it's like a wasteland outside of that. 
Very yeah. much same. It's like if it's black, I know it. If it's gay, I know it. If it's like campy horror, I know it. But yeah, there's yeah. some there's some things missing for me too. So <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've got my '90s slashers. I've got my aquatic horror. I've yes, got some aquatic gay stuff. horror. <laughs> yes, let's give it up for the fucking shark in Deep Blue Sea, yes. honey. It is Pride Month, and you have survived. <laughs> <laughs> That is fantastic. But yes, okay, so uh, this movie made $10 million opening weekend and went on to gross $21 million. Uh, adjusted, you're looking at $43.7 million today, and it didn't go overseas. So, I mean. Oh, interesting. I do have no. Well, we'll get into it later, but I have. Uh, oh, by the way, I, I should probably ask ha, Have y'all ever seen Tales from the Crypt? Yes. yes. I okay. watched it all. The, I was a bit of a latchkey kid, so. Mm-hmm. I watch Tales from the Crypt all the time. I My favorite genre, which it still is to this day, is erotic thrillers. Oh, yes. My second crush after Katie Lang was Billy Zane, because I watched him in this erotic thriller called De- a Dead Calm with Nicole yes. Kidman. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a very straight thing to say, but I think it's one of the gayest things about me. Like, <laughs> erotic thrillers introduced me to Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I feel like you know erotic thrillers, especially those like of the early '90s age. And granted, Dead Calm, I, I've never seen it, but I know what it is, and I, it's a bit. I don't want to say high, like high class, like it, but it's not. El, yeah, kind of, it's uh, not. No, it, don't say it. <laughs> it's not, you know, uh, fucking sliver. You yeah, know? yeah. No, it's classy. It was definitely classy. A, an easy find on the old cable television. Yes. Yeah, wait, whatever W Network was before it was W Network. Because that's Nicole Kidman and Sam Neill, too, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. So this movie begins with some erotic horror shit, but uh, erotic thriller shit. But before we get to that, really quickly, the reception of this movie was very negative from critics. We're looking at a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 64%. So, I mean, I knew that kind of going in because I've had a lot of people tell me how much they love this movie. I guess it's aged well because critics just in 95 didn't like it, but. I think this was, like, right after the show ended, or... No, it's between season six and seven. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I should say, I've never seen an episode of Tales, of the Crypt, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> this is a bit of an off-brand piece. Like, I can understand why it fits within that world, but it also doesn't have the kind of, like, morality detail or the, mm-hmm. the kind of ironic twist. Like, the opening segment of this film that the faux movie that the Crypt Keeper is directing is far more representative of what you yeah. would have gotten on the TV show. I think it was written before the TV show started, right? Yes. Okay. Well, so it, this is not adapted from the pages of the, of the EC Comics, which is what the show is based on. The first draft of the script was written in 1987. Uh, it's two years before the show started, as Sarah Ty said. It was first intended to be made into a film by Tom Holland, who was going to do it as a follow-up to Child's Play. Oh my oh. god, that would have been so good. Right? Yes. But, but, here's the fun part. Uh, so he hired an effects team to do the preliminary sketches, but ultimately went on to direct the box office bomb Fatal Beauty, starring Whoopi Goldberg. May I interject and say that yeah. I love Fatal Beauty. Like, the the fact that you asked me to uh, come on here for Demon Knight is like a beautiful confluence of the stars, as Billy Zane would say. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I love Demon Knight. I love Child's Play. I love Fatal Beauty. Everything is, like, just messy. I Yeah, I can't say enough about Fatal Beauty. Go see it if you want to see Whoopi Goldberg be like... A badass cop, like, putting white guys in their place, punching white women in the face, standing up for sex workers. Like, it's really great. How, what year is that? Is that early 1987. It's 87. So, but that's the weird thing, though. Child's Play was 88, but Fatal Beauty was 87. So that, 
That doesn't really... It maybe might have been like a long-in production kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that was the case. Well, anyway, so the script, so left Tom Holland, and it wound up in the hands of Pumpkinhead screenwriter Mark Carducci, who sat on it for several years, before it was then given to Pet Cemetery director Mary Lambert. Jesus, this has some weird shit going on. Oh, yeah, wait, 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 here, get... Here we go. So Lambert had some, quote-unquote, radical ideas for the script, including casting an African-American as Breaker, um, the William Sadler character, to create a theme that the oppressed people of Earth were also its saviors. But this is what happened. She went on and did Pet Cemetery 2, which bombed, and then she couldn't get people to invest in the film. (laughs) Yeah, as we know, because if you know, if you followed Mary Lambert's career at all, like, she delivered a hit film, and then literally nobody wanted to work with her. Well, because she did two right afterwards and yeah it was after i, I mean I, I, people are blaming pet cemetery too but i'm like mm, no y'all just don't like women yeah basically truly brian Singer's still out here give mary a movie right right so it left her and the script then went to charles band's full moon features but budgetary constraints held up the production in limbo it finally made its way onto the desks at, of uh, joel silver's silver pictures and it was optioned to be the second in a trilogy of tales from the crypt theatrical spinoffs Universal executives thought the script had more potential than the other two films, uh, things called Dead Easy and Body Count, but neither one of those were made. And the film was quickly sent into production with a tentative release date of Halloween 94, uh, and then it was pushed back to 95. But um, there was also two different versions of the movie, one with demons and one without, (laughs) which is weird. (laughs) How would this film work without demons? So the collector was going to be a Bible salesman who was using a legion of fellow salesmen clad in black suits and sunglasses, later revealed to be demons, as his minions. So, like, they live? Yeah, well, and so, <laughs> basically, um, a film called Demon Night with demons that look like killer yuppies uh, made the executives nervous. So they Universal threw more money at it so they could do, like, the gooey demons that are in the film we have now. Mm, practical effects. Warms my heart. Yes. Um, I will point out that most of this information is from a Fangoria article um, from March of 1995, written by Anthony C. Ferrante. Cool. So, just a credit right there. I can't link to it, but it's there. So, I have one other weird piece of trivia before I read the plot summary, and it's the fact... So, I, I knew nothing about any of this. I came to this yeah. like a babe in the woods. I was. Are you guys both fresh to Demon Knight? Well, yeah, so I was. I... I I had seen parts of it on TV as a kid, so it was True. edited. I, I think it aired on maybe sci-fi all the time, but yeah, so I'd seen parts. I'd seen most of the ending as a kid. I, I, I For some reason, I just missed the first half all the time, and I remember like the creature effects, but again, like I mean, when this was probably on TV, I was probably like 9 or 10, mm-hmm. so it just, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of skipped me Interesting. part virgin on this. Hmm. So one of the things that I discovered when I was doing a little bit of research on this, it came up in Stephanie Crawford's pieces. She's covered almost the entire run of Tales from the Crypt for Dread Central. But the the shortened version on Wikipedia is, so it's got the stuff about the order that the films were going to be made in, but then it also talks about other films that were apparently considered for the Tales from the Crypt movie franchise. And... Quentin Tarantino's From Dust Till Dawn and Peter Jackson's The Frighteners were originally oh. considered. From Dust Till Dawn would have worked, I think. I've actually never seen The Frighteners, but I've heard, I've been told by many people to watch it. Oh, it's really good. But honestly, when I was watching this movie, I 100% was like, this movie 
is ripping off from Dust Till Dawn. And then I looked at the years and was like, oh, from Dust <laughs> Till Dawn is ripping off this motherfucking movie. Surprise, yep. surprise. Tarantino Gee, ripping Tarantino. someone off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's great. Now, Joe, Mm -hmm. we've made it about 10 minutes in, so can you tell us what this movie's about for anyone who hasn't seen it? Yes, I can. All right, here we go. After a cold open that is revealed to be a bracketing device wherein the Crypt Keeper introduces the film, Demon Knight opens with a fiery car chase down a deserted road. Breaker played by William Sadler, escapes the collector, Billy Zane, and after unsuccessfully stealing a car from a local diner, he stumbles upon helpful Good Samaritan Uncle Willie, Dick Miller, who takes him to a nearly abandoned motel that was formerly a church. That is a run-on sentence. (laughs) Breaker is given a room from severe owner Irene, CCH Pounder, and hit on by promiscuous Cordelia, Brenda Back... Is it Back or Back Key? I was going to say Backy, but I don't care. Okay, let's go with Backy. And hit on by promiscuous Cordelia Brenda Backy, who eventually goes upstairs with her near-do-well boyfriend, Roach, Thomas Hayden Church, in the weirdest, like, giving me emotions in the crotchal area. Wait. Because I do not like him at all. But, like, leather pants and a mesh shirt was throwing the gaydar off all kinds of whack. <laughs> oh, see, I, I can't do long hair on guys. Ew, yeah, that that was gross. <laughs> I always, uh, watching this as a kid, I always thought that Thomas Hayden Church was Ernest. Like, from Ernest, Ghost, or whatever. <gasps> oh, I can see that. So it was so confusing to me, like, watching this as a kid and seeing him, like, obviously coded in this, like, badass, bad boy, sexy way. And I was like, it's Ernest! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, better movie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's fine. All right. Fearing that Breaker is up to no good, Irene calls the sheriff, John Chuck, and his deputy, Gary Farmer, who arrive with the collector in tow. And the collector attempts to reclaim a cross from Breaker that he appears hesitant to touch. After an altercation, the collector punches a hole in the sheriff's head and is forced <laughs> out of the motel by Breaker. Outside, he summons demons from his neon green blood, and Breaker uses red liquid from the cross to safeguard the doors and windows. Eventually, the collector begins using mental manipulation to infiltrate the, pl- the protected motel, converting Cordelia into a demon who rips off Irene's arm. Attempting to escape through the tunnels underneath the hotel, final girl Geraldine, Jada Pinkett, Wait, wait, wait. Two, I have two things about this. First... If it's about Wally, I don't care, but... No, no, no. No, first, they wanted Cameron Diaz for Geraldine. Yeah, um, which is gross, and I'm so glad that... Fuck your mother. Cameron Diaz is great, but... No, Cameron she's Diaz great, but she... is my favorite white, white lady actor. But she would have um, been terrible in this movie. But she would have been bad. And this is like well, a staple in the Jada genre filmography. Yes. And I think this would have pulled Cameron Diaz away from the mask, and I love Cameron Diaz in the mask. Um, second thing, though, no one in this movie pronounces Jerry Lynn or Jerry Lynn or whatever the same way. Everyone says it differently. Yes. <laughs> and it really bugged me. I didn't even notice. I assumed it was Jerry Lynn. Someone says that. Jerry I think um, I think C.H. Pounder says Jerry Lynn, but then Jerry Lynn is what Cordelia says. Um <laughs> And then there's like a weird hybrid of the two. And so there's no wrong way to say it, apparently. I mean, I really figured that we're probably just going to call her Jada the entire podcast, yes. right? Yeah, Geraldine's Jer- not a name. Okay. Yeah, it was confusing. So, um, <laughs> But honestly, God bless Ernest Dickerson, the director, for fighting for Jada. Because 
I mean, obviously this role is super important, but also Jada is great in this role. So, so um, is Ernest Dickerson black? I actually didn't look into it, but yes. I was looking at it. Yes. Okay, cool. Because I, I looked at his filmography. He directed Bones, the Snoop Dogg movie. Which yes. is really and good, by the way. People shit on it all the time, and it's fantastic. That's like an iconic oh. video store. Uh, what do you call it? The thing that the tapes go into? The, the the cover like the cover yes, art the box that's an yeah. iconic yeah video box yeah I've definitely I've definitely seen that and then he also directed the DMX movie Never Die Alone yes wait is it is it DMX it's okay, DMX yeah, okay, cool. got it you just I DMX. just no, I nodded my head like I was an interview <laughs> <It's> DMX <laughs> no, no I was gonna say I was like wait I I was like oh, fuck, maybe it's Fifty Cent but Fifty Cent is Get Richard I Try It yes. so okay okay got it Jesus all these titles sound exactly the same okay <laughs> that's um, why I was confused okay. So, attempting to escape through the tunnels underneath the hotel, uh, Jada picks up Danny, who's the little boy from the diner, and who could care? Eventually, everyone in the motel is converted and or killed, and Breaker reveals to Jada that they are embroiled in an epic battle for the cross, which has spanned centuries, and the cross is uh, revealed to contain the blood of Christ from the times of the crucifixion in arguably the film's weirdest development. After Breaker is killed by Danny, she, Jada, and the Collector battle. She covers herself in blood, but she is washed clean and nearly sexually assaulted by the Collector's lightning penis. Eventually, she spits the remaining blood onto the Collector's face, causing him to implode, and then she steals away with the cross on a bus out of town as the next Collector begins to hunt her. Yep. <laughs> Great movie. It um, is no, batshit, and I kind of loved it. It's amazing. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I mean, I, I had trouble in the beginning, so after the Crypt Keepers uh, little scene, uh, with boobs everywhere. So many tatas. And John Larroquette. That was cool, but then honestly, once the car chase happened, I was like, ugh. Even with Billy Zane? <laughs> well, yeah, kinda, because he's not doing anything, he's just sitting there driving. He doesn't have to do anything, he's Billy Zane. <laughs> oh, I, this is I, not I will, <laughs> I will tell you, I've never, like, particularly thought Billy Zane was, like, very attractive, I might have like gotten hard in some of his oh my god like moments. Have you have you seen Orlando? Oh no! Gay oh, you got Orlando. You gotta watch Orlando. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're we're gonna dive into this later, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come out front and say this right now because I'm gonna I'm gonna give a reading of this film that no one I don't think has ever read before. I'm just gonna fucking make it up. So. Uh, Sarah Ty, so normally when we do this podcast, you know, we try to pick a, a horror film with a queer element. Not always, you know, uh, a lot of times we just apply a queer reading, or we won't, like, whatever, we just talk about it. Are you about to talk about the cat? No. <laughs> we were gonna cover the, no, we, we were gonna cover this film months ago, um, when we were being stricter on, like, what qualities the films had to have. Um, we've since loosened our grip, but. Except when it comes to Billy Zane. It, well, no, okay, so, he, 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 here is my reading. He's so flamboyant in this movie. I think. And then, and even though, like, you know, and Jada Pinkett is never really explicitly, her sexuality is never re explicitly referred to. So, I think that Billy Zane is this gay, flamboyant demon knight, and it's about gay demons going against Gerilyn, queen of the black lesbians. Mm. I, I mean, it's, I, I can see it, but I do think Billy Zane and Jada Pinkett Smith, as people and as actors, both have intense bisexual energy, even if they're not bisexual. 
Although, oh, yeah. I've read some Jada news. She's wild, and I love her. Um, I love her, too. But, but Billy Zane is, like, he's, like, the gayest non-gay character actor. He, like, does all of mm-hmm. these, like, intensely campy roles and like, mm-hmm. you know, Zoolander, Titanic, like... Oh, I forgot about Zoolander. Yeah, like Orlando. <laughs> Shadow, like, yeah, he's it's wearing like, a very tight purple outfit. Oh, yes. But, no, he's just, like, a really... He seems like he just has, like, a lot of fun in all of his films, and all of the films that he is cast in are just, like, very campy. And if they're not campy, you can very much, like, make a queer reading out of it, or at least a camp reading. He is so funny. It pains me that people know him primarily from Titanic because it's arguably his straightest, kind of least interesting I was going to say, right? that's a very much a gay villain role. He's like Ursula in my Titanic. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and honestly, no, that, that that is what, I mean, like, I saw Titanic in theaters, like, as a kid, like, that's how I associated Billy Zane with Titanic. And so every, every time I saw him, I was like, oh, that's, that's the guy, that's the bad guy from Titanic. Like, Billy Zane is the hero of Titanic, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> except for when he White gets in the people, boat with the, the kid boat. yeah <laughs> but you know the, no. the drama of it all him and kathy bates <laughs> oh, this is true yeah. without them that I, film would have very little outside of little. the kind of milkatose romance right yeah i mean whatever I, I you know we all y'all had like the the double vhs like set of that as a, as like when y'all were growing up right absolutely mm-hmm. i'm sure so okay. many of us had like three versions because they're everywhere yes <laughs> i i would always just put on the second vhs because i just loved watching that ship sink yes <laughs> oh, i mean the special effects are incredible <laughs> yeah but we're um gonna rewind two years and go to 1995 when demon Knight came out so <laughs> right so I um, had never considered that the collector could be anything. I mean, I'm hesitant to even say that he's flamboyant so much as he he feels like a performer. Like he reminded me a lot of the demon trick from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the once more with feeling, where he's very much like a showman. He's you know wait, he's wait, getting wait, wait, people wait. on his side. No, no, no. Hey, 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 hey! I'm gonna stop you. Mm-hmm. Trick is the oh, demon shit. from yeah. C- yeah. You're you're thinking of sweet. Um, from once more with feeling who's yes. in the musical trick but trick trick is also a good comparison though trick is the um the villain vampire who holds slayer fest 98 in it's season true. three <laughs> yes. but i i i love the kind of playfulness that billy zane brings to this role where he knows he's going to win so he's basically just fucking with everybody yes it's Honestly, if he wasn't in this movie or if he wasn't giving this performance, I probably would like this movie a lot less. Every time he did something, whether it was the fucking sponge tongue. (laughs) That was so unusual. (laughs) It was so funny. And he just, he was having so much fun. And it was such a stark contrast to what everyone else in the movie was doing. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I didn't like everyone else, but like I wanted to watch just the movie Billy Zane was in. I mean, he's the villain, right? So he's having more fun than everybody else. Yes. It's interesting because I actually, I'm normally very hard on hero protagonists because I find them exceedingly boring, but Mm -hmm. I was kind of impressed with what William Sadler brings to this role as well. I mean, he doesn't have a ton to do, but he makes Breaker kind of interesting nonetheless question mark i don't know no, i i agree i mean i i grew up watching him on um roswell he was like the mm-hmm. sheriff or something in that and um of course Die Hard too no i mean i i'm into him and i think he's you know very he's charismatic and like i mean what we were just talking about a couple weeks ago in father's nation how like you know poor devin sawa gets stuck with the boring protagonist role mm-hmm. and it 
I think he has Sadler has more to do in this movie, yeah. but it's also it's kooky. I think it's also yeah. like a you know knowing what your place is in a film, like knowing the ending with Jada, knowing the like villain here is Billy Zane, who I think like could only outside of Billy Zane could probably only be played to like this level by like Tim Curry or something. Yeah, you know I appreciate when there's like a boring quote-unquote main character even though we both we all know we all know he's not the main character here yeah. um who just is like this is my role i'm gonna do it everyone shine well and, and pinkett i think is a very very good final girl um do, do y'all uh, uh, it might be hard to like separate yourselves from this but do you think that it's clear that she will be the final girl when these the, when all the characters are introduced in success in rapid succession I mean, I think if you were going into this cold in 1995 with Mm -hmm. the historical legacy of how black people are treated in horror films, you would probably think that she'd be about the first or second to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Dickerson had said that, like, that was one of his main goals was, like, reversing that dynamic. I'm someone who's watched this, like, maybe, like... 20 times 30 times i don't know how much i watched it as a kid but i've watched it a shit ton as an adult so like me watching this as a kid like that was normal like i didn't have a base for which it would not be normal against which i think is like super interesting because now when i watch it i'm like whoa this is like pretty i don't say revolutionary but like transgresses a lot of like norms of the time but i always like for 1995 yeah yeah so i just i don't know it makes my heart feel warm to think of like little black girl me in the 90s seeing this and being like oh yeah totally normal movie i mean like what else do you i mean okay so we how many of us have seen horror noir i haven't seen it yet oh really okay well allow me to shamelessly plug this so uh earlier this year fangoria produced a documentary that was it was essentially chronicling the history of African-American characters and actors in the horror genre. It's a really great introduction, and it provides uh, some key milestones, uh, different types of films that you can watch, and it's organized by decade. Uh, Ernest Dickerson is actually in it, and he's an absolute fucking delight. He's very funny and very candid. Um, Oh, that's good. But yeah, like there's especially when you get to the 90s, I mean... We've talked about this a couple of times. It's a bit of a black hole. There's some interesting things going on, but not a lot of hits. The genre has kind of fallen into disrepair as we wait for Scream to arrive in 96. Mm -hmm. But um, like, really, when you're thinking about interesting black female protagonists, you've got what, like this and fucking Brandy in... I still know what you did last summer in the nineties. Like it's I love Brandy, dire. but she's not at a Jada level. <laughs> no, no, she's Gotta not bringing that. She's not she, bringing that big dick energy for sure. It's fun. I appreciate it. She's like Tyra Banks in Halloween H two O or whichever one she's in. You know, uh, Resurrection. Resurrection. That's so too. But I was actually going to throw this one in though. You could throw in Angela Bassett from Vampire in Brooklyn. Yes. Hmm. Which is not a good movie, by the way. I not a good movie. movie a lot. But, <laughs> but anything with Angela Bassett, Bassett is worth a watch at least once. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, I I wouldn't... Honestly, I didn't expect her to live, even though I knew she was the final girl. Because I sometimes feel like this film forgets that it has her. Like, my main takeaway was, where's the fucking Jada? I want more Jada. You have to understand that when this was being made, she hadn't really done anything. Like, she mm-hmm. didn't get her break until, oh, I want to say Nutty Professor 2. I think that was, like, her big break. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Ooh, Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor 1, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because it's Janet <laughs> so, in number two. Janet Jackson. Janet is number two. Yeah, they give her character, like, some stupid reason. It's like, because she, like, disappears between movies. It's terrible. But so, 
Like, and like even I think set it off was the same year as Nutty Professor too. It's so like sorry, Nutty Professor also. <laughs> <laughs> Good grammar. So I like it. Yeah, but and so I think though there was also a misdirect though of like keeping her kind of in the background so you you don't know who's going to survive. Or I guess you're led to believe you know that that William Sadler is going to be the final person mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Until you get you know the kooky weird Christ backstory, which is so funny. <laughs> I, like, I love it. It's so, like, intentional to me and, like, very, like, winking, like, from a, as, like, a black audience member. I suppose, mm-hmm. like, at the end when the, the final demon who's, like, coming to get her is also a black man, I'm like, Ernest, Ernest, you really did that. You just turned this into a black-ass movie. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Can you elaborate on that? Because I, I feel like I sort of know what you mean, but I don't, I also want to hear your experience of that. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing that I can, like, I wouldn't testify in the court of law about it. But, it, you, know, <laughs> you know, as marginalized people, we just have what we feel. And, yeah, I I just love that winking ending when it's, like, the final demon is also black. And she's like, also the ending, if you take away the demon, it's basically just the ending to set it off, which I also love. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> she's packing her bag, she's going on the bus. Set it off used to be on UPN all the time. And so I've seen the opening bank robbery of that a lot, but I've never seen the rest of it. You haven't? Oh is- my God. I know. Okay, no, stop the podcast. <laughs> we'll set it off. No, pump the brakes. It's, it's, we need to pause. It's like lesbian Queen Latifah. Truly. It's Jada Pinkett. And who are the other two? They're famous too, or one or one of them's famous for sure. I don't remember. But wait, are you talking about um, girls' trip? No. Oh my god, <laughs> oh, I'm <right>. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I totally forgot that that movie. I, I like that movie actually, a girls' trip. But I forgot that it existed. And but also in this movie, you have a CCH Pounder who I fucking love. Well, and she because okay, so is she famous for any one particular thing? Yes, The Shield. So that's the Michael Chiklis bad cop drama that ran on FX. I mean, she was famous well before that. She's but... also like one of those black actors that like before Viola da- Viola Davis became like yeah. the Black Meryl Streep in the past like several years. Like one of the actors who's like everywhere and the quality is consistent every yes. time, even if it's like fucking Demon Night, you know. Yep. But just like life the world sucks i i feel like i feel like she played a judge a lot in tv shows yeah, i don't know why she has, she has legal drama energy oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh my god now i want like a list of who's giving off that energy <laughs> the guy from boston public oh my god also viola um, davis who was in law and order svu for sure boston public that's um is that um oh my god fuck it's um it's david e. kelly no, 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 no. I know, I know it's David <laughs> Kelly. Wait, no. Bo- no, Boston Legal, Boston Legal. is David What's Kelly. What's Boston Public? Boston Public's the school drama, and it's um, Charles S. Dutton, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who I will never forgive for trying to eat um, Halle Berry's jaw in Gothica. It's like the True. most frightening thing oh, about that movie. Uh, spoiler alerts for Gothica, but yes. No. It's because they're married and he kisses her, but he looks like he's about to unhinge his jaw and just swallow the bottom half of her face. Oh, I thought you meant because he's a bad guy. Well, well my spoilers, spoilers now for Gothica. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, not a Gothica podcast. We're talking about Demon Knight. So wait, what did what did you both give um, Demon Knight on Letterboxd? I gave it a three and a half. I believe I also gave it a three and a half, but it... You did. I, okay. I I was waffling between a three and a half and a four, to be honest. See, and I was between a three and a three and a half, but honestly, the whole sequence from when Jada gets the the artifact 
through the ballroom dance number. Oh my god. Like, That's entire- my dream. Like, if I could have one thing in my life, I want Billy Zane to ballroom dance me in, like, a sexually threatening way. Uh, and bathing her, like, ugh. I, I was just... <laughs> okay, so let's, let's talk about it. that scene, because I... I was mildly uncomfortable. I mean, I know... Okay, so there's apparently a backstory here, which is that after Jada Pinkett was cast, one of the producers was basically like, so... Joel Silver. I don't think it was, but to be honest, I also would not be surprised if he was. They apparently were like, so the collector character is going to like, fuck her, right? And Ernest Dickerson was like, no, he's a demon. He's not sexual. <laughs> and they were like, no, but like, she's hot. So he's got to like, want to fuck her. And so apparently they would not relent. And Ernest Dickerson may- ended up making the compromise. And that's why the collector ends up like shooting dick energy. Lightning. Fire crotch. Yeah. When that happened, I was like, what? <laughs> I somehow always forget because, like, that kind of effect style isn't used within the film. So it's like, it doesn't matter how much I've seen this film. Every time I'm like, oh, yeah. It really Fire stands crotch. out. Because you're honestly like, this This feels not like it's coming from a different movie, but it's unexpected, to say the least. It, yeah. I mean, I, it, wor- I, it works I, for me in as much as, like, Tales from the Crypt is really just a messy bitch anyway, you know? Oh, yeah. So, Trace, you wouldn't know this, but the series kind of becomes legendary because of the fact that it's on HBO. They can get right. away with, like, tits and squaring and all so kinds of amoral boobies. content. <laughs> well, no, because, okay, I want to say, and this is a extreme statement, but it was the first show of HBO to, like, take advantage of the lack of censor stuff, right? I think so. It's also like one of their, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's also one of their first television series, like proper. So the the movie Demon Knight itself, the post, like the the story that ta- that the Crypt Keeper is telling, there. Well, I was like, there are no boobs except for in um Dick Miller's <laughs> titty bar <laughs> segment. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what is that? I I I wanted more of like little vignettes of him trying to seduce everybody. I did like, like those it, a lot. Mm-hmm. I did no, and like I-, I love the CCH pounder where he's like he like serves her arm on a platter and then she's like I'm flipping you off. <laughs> that was amazing. She has the best lines in this film. <laughs> she does, and her decision to just blow herself up, I was like, bitch, it's no supper time. Yeah. yeah, that that definitely felt like we don't know how to get rid of this character, but we need to only end with Jada. So yes, we can only have one black woman. Yes, basically, yeah. <laughs> two is too yeah. many. Ernest, you're taking it too far. <laughs> we don't want to scare the audiences. Heavens, yeah. But but yeah, so so this story though isn't based on one of the Tales in the Crypt comics, and it doesn't really have a lot of like it has the tone with the kind of mix of comedy and the horror, but like. Though, yeah, those graphic, like, sexual elements aren't in it, so I guess that's why they did the opening segment? In the show, like, the Crypt Keeper would just, like, you know, pop up and, like, tell, like, a short anecdote and then go. There wouldn't be, like, a whole scene before it, right? No, but he apparently does this in all of the movies. So he does this in Bordello of Blood, and then apparently there's also a third film which is not... It is and is not considered canonical, but it's a movie called Ritual, in which he apparently has dreadlocks, and the story is a modern adaptation of I Walked with a Zombie. 
Uh, but Jennifer Grey is in it. Yeah, she's the lead. <laughs> and it takes yeah. place in Jamaica. And Tim Curry, I think, speaking of Tim Curry. He is, oh, yeah. My- I have to see. I, I mean, it's. I think it's Jennifer Grey post nose job yes. too. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> two thousand two. So yeah. it's late, which is. It's so weird that it's. It is and is not, and people don't really like. I had never heard of it, so I just not. love how Tales from the Crypt is just a nice place for actors to just live. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, Jennifer Grey, come on down. <laughs> well, and and this and the cast in this movie is. I mean, I. I I'm I'm loath to use the word stacked, but like it's a lot of recognizable names or character yeah. actors. I mean, like fucking Dick Miller, um, the 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 guy who plays Wally. Oh, um, in the randomest subplot ever, though, who is gonna go blow up a post office yeah. <laughs> or go shoot up a post office? <laughs> um, he's the dream doctor from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I was like, why is this character here? He's not really contributing anything except to reveal early on that Roach is a huge fucking asshole. <laughs> Once you read everyone's like filmographies, it all comes together in this little twisted Crypt Keeper stew. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, you can do like six degrees of whoever with anyone in this cast, pretty much. Especially at this time in their filmography, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like people were coming off big hits, but they, you know, like... I don't know that you would really call any of them super famous. Like, I was watching this and being like, hey, dad from Gremlins. Hey, like this guy. And then you're like, I don't know if people would have known them for these things back in the day. Well, Dick Miller is not the dad from Gremlins. He's Mr. What's-His-Face, the neighbor. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your neighbor, Trace. He's done a lot of um, uh, Roger Corman movies. And uh, he's also in Piranha, the original, he's in The Howling, he's in Small Soldiers, like, he's a big character actor in the, in the horror community. Joe, I want, and th- th- we don't have to talk about this for a lot, but I did want to point out that the cinematographer on this movie, Rick Bota, yes. is the director of Hellraiser Deader, yes. Hellseeker, and Hellworld. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's good when people step from behind, you know, like, the, the various production capacities, and they get behind the camera, and it's like their opportunity to grow as artists. I can't say that about Rick Boda. Those films are shit. I was, when I was making my little sheet, I was like, Rick Boda, that sounds so fucking familiar. Yep. Why does that sound familiar? I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I was like, all oh, right, because I did a fucking Hellraiser marathon last year, and that name is scarred in my brain, because yeah. I saw it three times in a row. Oh my god. Yeah. Ugh. He is maybe better at, what is it, cinematography? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, well, I mean, like, I don't, at, Rick I don't think the cinematography in this movie is, like, pre- it's not bad. It's just not, like, it's not special. The editing's good. I always, like, watching this now in the past few years as I've worked more as a critic, like, technically speaking, this is a pretty sound movie. Like, the editing is good. The effects are very good for, like, the yes. time. Oh, the practical effects are great they're so good it's like uh yeah i don't have anything to add to that other than it's so good but i think it's really surprising to like can you imagine this film without those practical effects and like the creature design and stuff like yeah part of what makes this film so compelling like when the collector slits open his wrist and just begins flinging his like gooey neon blood and then these creatures come out of it it's a legitimate like wow factor moment this I film so really starts at that scene. point 
way, explain, please. <laughs> I just relate to it. I'm like, hello, it's me and my demons. I'm going to kiss one on his juicy little head. But I think that's okay. like part of that, like the effects design being so good is you can look back at it and it's campy, but it's like technically not deficient at all. Mm-hmm. And then when you like put that alongside the cast, you're just like, whoa. They don't make him like this anymore. I obviously gave it five stars on Letterboxd. I'm not going to lie. I love this. Was- no, I mean, look, wait, girl, I have uh, Anaconda and Deep Blue Sea with five stars oh, on Letterboxd. I, like, so. Thank you so much for introducing me to this term, aquatic horror. It's like all, <laughs> I feel like I have a name for a feeling that I never knew what it was. And we're on of the cusp of an aquatic <laughs> horror renaissance this summer, too. Because we're getting Crawl, an alligator movie by Alexander Aja in July, mm-hmm. and we're getting 47 meters down, uncaged, in August. <laughs> so, I thought the rules of this universe were maybe ill-defined <laughs> i feel like the rules are just like a chatter like narrative chatter like every time i watch it i'm like oh yeah that's a rule it's like it, this movie isn't about the story it's not <laughs> it's about um, it's about <laughs> billy zane hamming it up jada pinkett smith being a wanted badass like these it's like it feels like it's a character movie with that's made for like the effects and just like highlighting the campiness of it i don't think people are expecting like john well, steinbeck here from- <laughs> <laughs> well then i was like one okay so okay, really quickly i want to read out the um what the backstory with the jesus shit is and i took this from wikipedia can i ask I one like, thing before you start yeah why are there three jesuses no, no 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 it's it's one jesus but in the bible like there were two he was crucified between two other criminals oh i just learned something about religion thank you (laughs) i was like (laughs) i thought you meant that the jesus was played by three different actors of the flashbacks and i was like oh i didn't see that no it's no that's my um my young catholic upbringing Mm. coming out um Mm. i also saw the passion of the christ in theaters and i was eating snow caps as they were like you know like torturing him and my mom was aghast oh my gosh (laughs) you are a sick bitch (laughs) is that some kind of like alternative gay coming of age thing <laughs> uh, maybe dude i mean i i remember seeing passion of the cries in theaters and i was like I, you won't let me watch fucking like halloween but you'll let me watch this shit with fucking like chunks of skin coming out uh, of his side from yeah. this whip Ugh. like it's religious t- snuff it's torture point yeah for sure but before hostile even came out i think did, no maybe uh, it was after i think just after. Uh, it was before no it was oh four i think it was i remember it was um it was ash wednesday i think it was Ash Wednesday, yes, it was. Yes, but Hostel um, came out in January. Right, but I think it was the year after that. Like I think because uh, Hostel was 05, 06, whereas Passion of the Christ was... Well, it's not important. <laughs> I've um, never heard Hostel and past Passion of the Christ discussed so uh, passionately in the same sentence, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real question is, which one are we more passionate about? <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, we could probably cover Passion of the Christ this podcast because it's a, it's a horror movie... Like, 100% and it's about religion and we can talk about I don't know gay shit I was gonna say can we just talk about like Jesus's hunky body just getting like whipped and chained <laughs> it's Jim Caviezel man and Jim Caviezel can get it Jim Caviezel not he's to so, get too off topic but yeah. you should read his Wikipedia he's he's a little bit of a strange one he's crazy and he's super wild. Yeah, religious no yeah, yeah that, that, and I, I grew up watching him in frequency like a lot because my mom watched that movie all the time oh. and it's a uh, yeah, Christian it's, drama. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, he's he's nutty as a fruitcake. It's insane. So yeah, that that's your Jesus explanation. He was crucified between two criminals. Um I think one of them like talked whatever, it's not important. So, okay. <laughs> Follow uh, let me take you on a history lesson. <laughs> Following <laughs> This is biblical canon by the way. Um 
Following the creation of Earth by God, demons use seven keys to fo- which I don't know how, why, like why, how. Um, demon, demons use seven keys to focus the power of the cosmos into their hands. When discovered, which I'm imagining like these demons holding these keys, and they're just like, like, like frozen, like, like we got caught. Um, God created light, which scattered the demons and the keys across the universe. The artifact that Breaker, um, William Sadler, holds is the last key needed to reclaim power. So the demons have found six of the seven keys. Mm-hmm. And to protect it, God had a thief named Sirach, Sirach fill it with the blood of Jesus Christ during the crucifixion. He did not let the other two criminals' <laughs> blood matter. They were just dead. Yeah. The guardians of the key, immortal while holding it, have since passed it on, refilling it with their own blood when they die. And so, and Breaker... So, my thing is... So, they're immortal when they have it, and they're literally just running away yeah. their entire lives. There's no fighting at all. And when they die, they just put their blood in it, assuming they have time, and give it to someone else. Mm-hmm. But only, yeah, apparently, like a, like a worthy successor. Because it seems like you have to be, like you have to be a, a divine successor of some kind. Because Breaker suggests that he knew that Jada was an appropriate successor. Well, they have that conversation where she's like, I knew you weren't going to hurt me. There's some kind of, like, moral, spiritual connection vibe that they're clearly trying to play out. But honestly, just let the hell mouth open. I don't. Let me be with my people. She's like, I'm getting a rapey vibe from that other dude. And not so much you. So I'm going to yeah. assume you're a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's 92 minutes. You know, they, they, they breeze by some plot elements. But not that fucking description of how these keys work. <laughs> Yeah, which really, why don't you just say like, hey, this, I mean, the the introduction of this crucifixion blood stuff is such an odd choice. I also love how it's like everyone's like in the midst of fighting demons, fighting for their lives, and they're like, we need the rules! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do love that. No, it's like, you owe us an explanation. It's like... I mean, on a, you don't want to like time and place. Oh, and time and place. Yeah. <laughs> also, they're like we just. Hey, they have to make it through the night. Why just the night? That's the, the thing. Zen- they suggest that we just have to make it through the night, and that I think it's actually clarified. Like, no, like we're we're fucked if we don't do something to get away from them. Like daylight will not help us. And then the black demon at the end. It's like daytime. Well, and also, okay. Here's my thing. They when they do the oh, yeah, it has to be. You know, we have to make it the night. And they're all, like, safe in one area. Fucking wait it out. Like, don't move. <laughs> Just sit there. Well, okay. But this is a... We all know that this is a trope from horror films, right? So yeah, it's yeah. you lock people into a confined area, and then you've got to have some asshole who's like, I'm going to break the barrier because I don't yeah. trust it. I need to find a way out. Which some is outline why... of rules that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Which is why we have yeah. the Roach character. And yeah, I mean, I'm being, um, I- I'm putting the plot under scrutiny, and it's obviously not a plot that asks for scrutiny. Like, th- this is a fun, silly Leave movie. Demon Knight totally... alone! <laughs> All of our listeners are like, God damn it, Trey, shut the fuck up. No one cares. This movie is fun. Stop trying to pick holes in the plot. It's a perfect movie with titties in it. Titty movie. <laughs> I always forget how much boobs are in this, because, like, you know, when you're watching this as a kid, it's... Like, this weird thing where they're trying to keep you from seeing it, but once you see it, it's, like, not sexualized because you're a kid, so you're just like, oh, bodies. So, now being older, I'm like, well, there's a lot of titties in this movie. Okay, so <laughs> I know we, like, we totally blew past it, but, like, the opening sequence with the femme fatale who, like, murdered her husband with an axe, and it's just her in the bathtub, and a close-up just right on her tits. Yeah. And they are some 
big titties. Oh, those, those are, are like fake boobs to the max. 90s boobies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how, like, the whole Tales of the Crypt brand, like, very much rests on the Crypt Keeper being this, like... He's such a perv. Like, horn dog hetero. When, like, you look at all his, like, you know... How he's talking, what he's wearing. Hello, boys and girls. I'm like, honey, you are gay. You are a lascivious homosexual. Yes. <laughs> Hello, kitties. Like, <laughs> that does not s- seem like hetero to me. Who do you think I you're like. fooling with that neckerchief? <laughs> Actually, it, is um is John Kassir gay? Do we know that? I don't know. Maybe not. Crip Keeper is definitely like a queer idol, I would say. Not well, as far-fetched as my Billy Zane is a queer idol. Definitely oh. more solid. <laughs> do you, wait, wait, he's not gay, but do y'all know who he was married to for fucking nine years? Let me guess. Someone who would a gay, not gay person be? Jennifer Tilly, the chick from <laughs> Legally Blonde, the Bend and Snap woman. I always forget her name. Jennifer Coolidge? Yes, well, thank you. So he was married to Julie Benz from 1998 to 2007. What? <laughs> and My he, Buffy connection was real? Yeah. <laughs> And he, she is 15 years his junior. Wow, Crypt Keeper can get it. Yeah, yeah, she oh, was wait, married to we're him. talking about the Crypt Keeper. I thought we were talking about Billy Zane, because I was like, hot couple alert. Oh, no, 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 sorry, yeah. I was talking about John Kassir. Ew, who is now so- I'm disappointed. <laughs> Boner killer. Wait, I thought when y'all were talking about, like, like uh, this character's gay, I thought you were talking about the Crypt Keeper. We were, but... Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Going I, all over the map. <laughs> I was thinking about Billy Zane again, because that okay. baby face... Is just gorge. Well, yeah. So John Kassir and Julie Benz were married for seven years, and then she married some other guy in 2012. I actually know John Kassir from Reefer Madness, the movie musical. Um, yeah. When he... With, have you seen it? No, I just know that Kirsten no. Bell sings in it. Yeah, well, no, because he sings a song to her when he gets her to smoke weed, and she gets in um, a leather dominatrix outfit and spanks his naked butt. Okay. It's going to be tries a no to kill for him. me. Mm-mm. No, 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 dude, no. <laughs> it's... It, Anna Gasteyer, Stephen Weber, Nev Campbell's brother, Nev Campbell. Uh, it's <laughs> the Campbells. Whole, it, my DVD box is brown and it smells like chocolate brownies. Okay, what? but we don't want to know why, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's supposed to be like pop brownies. It's, it's all about oh Alan Cummings in it. Oh God, fucking sorry. Alan Cummings. It's so funny. <laughs> I will take this part of the podcast to tell you all about my moral nemesis, iconic pansexual Alan Cummings. <laughs> Wait, who what? I love. I love all of his roles, but here, here's here's what happened. Hello, kitties. Here's what happened. <laughs> when I was 12 years old at a roller rink, probably after I finished watching Demon Night, oh Alan Cummings bullied me at a roller rink when I was 12 years old. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. A mean, mean man. Yeah. I'm Keep sorry, this he, in the podcast. So, wait, what did he do? <laughs> he ran you over at a rolling rink? No, he bullied me. How so? He was just being mean, like exactly what you would say to like a small child with huge glasses who's overweight trying to fucking rollerblade at a roller rink. (laughs) And the worst part is Anna Paquin was watching because they were filming X-Men or something. So it's like one of my, my, I've only been in a roller rink once and it's when Alan Cumming was bullying me and Anna Paquin was watching. Oh my God. And and Oh, the bystander effect. Yes. She... (laughs) And her thong was sticking out because it was the early 2000s. And she's bisexual, too. Well, I don't care about her. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care for her at all. No, I I like it. Sorry, that's a a you quote. That's not a me quote. Um, We are not cutting that out. That is hilarious. Tell everyone. 
Because everyone's like, oh, you must love Alan Cumming. I'm like, you know what I do, but I have some trauma. Yeah. <laughs> he is on blast alert. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, one day I'm going to tell him just what you he did though. to me. <laughs> Alan knows. Cumming could he have knows. been a good collector. Alan Cumming could have been a good collector, though. He's flamboyant enough for it. He absolutely is. Yes. I will say that, I'm sorry to go back to Billy Zane. Actually, no, fuck no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> his seduction voice, like when he's talking to Cordelia, the sex worker, I, oh my God, that voice was so good. I Trace, I you gotta wa- you gotta watch Orlando. You gotta watch it. I don't know what, the, I've never heard of this. I don't know what this it's is. It's by oh God, Sally Potter. <laughs> it's a classic of feminist film. It's Billy Zane and Tilda Swinton making love. Okay, so speaking of gay... We have danced around it. Can we spend 60 seconds talking about how the first half of this film is comprised of Jada trying to find pussy? Yes, she goes from like a a soft butch to like a hard femme, which I guess is interchangeable. It's Pride Month. I'm not out here trying to label, but it's like very interesting when you can see like queer coding that's clearly not being undertaken by queer people and you're like something is like she's got the bandana and she's got like the big baggy like denim thing and then she suddenly turns into this kind of like sex object but not too Mm -hmm. intensely i'm just like this is interesting now for our listeners there ty can you can you define the the butch versus femme just in case they aren't aware of what you're talking about oh my gosh Oh, this is a whole other podcast in itself. <laughs> we worry that we sometimes have baby queer listeners who are maybe oh, like... Oh, hello, baby anything. queers. Happy Pride. We also have hetero listeners, like, which... Hello to you, you too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you have to be here. No. <laughs> baby queers, you don't have to be butcher femme. It's from an older time. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, we actually have received mail from... Um, I'm sorry, emails, not mail. Uh, yes, it was delivered by mail. Stork. <laughs> no, no, from, from uh, straight that, listeners who were like... Straight people send mail. <laughs> <laughs> we're reading! <laughs> I sat no. down at my desk with my pen in hand. <laughs> it's one of those ink pens where you like dip it in the ink. Mm-hmm. Oh, a quill. Um, a quill, yes, there you go. Oh, good movie also, Quills. Um, not related. No, but were they, were they saying, I have, there was one that was like, um, I thought I knew a lot about sex, and y'all taught me differently. <laughs> so for, I was like, yay! For clarity's sake, they did not write y'all. That's just Trace's something. Oh, yeah, sorry. That, that, was my, that was my interpretation of her language. Okay, I won't define butch or femme, because that is a huge task, which has to have so many, like, footnotes. But I will give some examples. Okay. Butch. Queen Latifah and set it off. Mm. <laughs> Katie Lang on the cover with Cindy Crawford being shaved. Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> She's fighting it, but we know. She's working on it. Yeah. Femme. Jennifer Tilly. Oh my god, sorry. Butch. Gina Gershon. What I said a, Gina Gershon. A, oh. Inbound, obviously. Okay. Uh, this wait, is an important Sarah clarification because I immediately went to Showgirls and I was like, no. Sarah Ty. Sarah Ty. Yes. I think we've mentioned this on like three of the previous episodes, but Joe has never seen Bound. Oh my god! No, I don't. I don't want to hear this. I know. Why? I know it is a problem. It is a deficiency. It's a personal deficiency that I have not seen it at this point, and it's I'm sorry. so good. Like G- Gina Gershon, also one of those. I'm too young to be watching erotic thrillers, and yes. I know I'm gay at a very young age because of Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon is like a. Like, she's a certified sexual orientation changer. Like, if you are straight Truly. and you see Gina Gershon, you are now gay. She is a sexual chameleon. 
Yes. yes. I mean, I, that means Trace doesn't know what to say to that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was trying to think, like, would I fuck Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon? Okay, you have to be careful. Oh, wow. Jennifer Tilly apparently listens to this podcast now. So. Hi, Jennifer. I, no, 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 no. I, I think she listened to the beginning of our Cedar Trucky episode. That's what I think <laughs> happened. But also, you absolutely would sleep with both of them. I would. I yeah, honestly, it's wild. This is a question. Obviously, we would all sleep with Jennifer Tilly. Yes. Well, yeah, because like, are you gonna pass up a chance to sleep with oh. Jennifer Tilly and or Gina Gershon? No. <laughs> what are you no. crazy? Absolutely not. Yeah. So no, I, I'm in agreement. Would you pass up a chance to sleep with Jada Pinkett, circa 1995? Absolutely. I like. Obviously, I would. I'd be like one degree <laughs> from sleeping with Tupac. First of all, hmm. the 90s were great for Jada. She really. Did a lot of things and people. Um, how did we get here? <laughs> I don't know. We, we have done a lot of tangents this episode. <laughs> and it's not because there's not a lot to talk about in this movie, but also it kind of is. But <laughs> um, talk to me about how she's chasing pussy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 Was chasing pussy. I was saying it's interesting how it's like the queer coding is very like you can tell a queer person isn't doing it which for me is like what makes the fun of seeing something that's like queer coded mm-hmm, you right. know it's like searching it out rather than having it handed to you on a platter yeah. um but well, it, it's just oh. funny how she begins and they've clearly like kind of fashioned her as this kind of like light a handy stud woman. figure right i just yeah generally speaking this just points back to the fact that i love this movie because it's just so confused in the best way i, I want to comment on something you said though so um you said if it's not a queer creator you know you, you you can you can look for the queer coding but you have to look harder so something that joe and i are always accused of like i think the last one was final destination when we tried to code um Kara Smith's Carter bully character as gay. He's gay. So it's gay. always you're reaching. <laughs> yeah. uh, not everything has to be gay. We get it. You're gay. Not everything. Else I mean, is that's gay. all I hear every day. My my inbox every day. Whenever I write something, is someone being like, "Not everything has to be about race," and I'm like, "Except when it is." <laughs> <laughs> and like, even if it's not, like, what's the harm in like finding ourselves in something that doesn't have us in it? Like, what's who are we hurting? Yeah, your exactly. reading is not being taken away from you. Yeah, but you can still have I your stuff. I now have a new reading. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can imagine people in the 90s being, A, confused at the fact that, oh, how did this black woman end up inheriting this film? What happened to my white guy hero? But also, <laughs> like, I can easily imagine people not understanding the implications of like what that moment would feel like for totally. black audiences. Like, it's fucking empowering being in a white audience member. It's like the beginning of Scream 2. Like, I always, like, I don't know. I was talking with someone about Scream 2, and I was like, one of the most iconic iconic black women in horror performances of all time. And they were like, she dies in the first five minutes. I'm like, that's the whole film. The film is done when she's dead. Oh, it's a mini vignette. <laughs> it's like a beautiful, like, self-reflexive post It's a piece of art. I, I love that. Okay, but you yeah. are speaking our language because we are <laughs> hardcore Scream 2 fans, like more than Scream 1 fans. Yeah. No, like Scream 2 is the best Scream film. Scream 2, gayer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, fucking Lori Metcalf is like an icon. Mm-hmm. She is she is iconic yeah. in, that, in that movie. We've got chunky fucking hair on all of the women. Yes. We've got Sarah Michelle Gellar. We've got Rebecca fucking Gayhart shoehorned <laughs> in with Portia de Rossi. Like, so gay. So fucking gay. 
But yeah, I mean, I just, I, when people get all up in arms about having readings of films, I'm like, just, like, do I come into your house at night when you're sleeping and go into your dreams and tell you that your dreams are not right? Like, <laughs> it's just not, you know, and this, I don't know, this is a great time for Jada in those worlds, I think. Yeah. I wish Jada would do more horror. Like, she's great in I know, this. She's, she's great such in a genre too. queen. But I don't think she likes horror. I feel, I mean, I, I could be just talking my ass here, but I feel like she doesn't like horror. I think she does. Little known <laughs> fact, Jada Pinkett Smith, still to this day, is in a band called Wicked Wisdom, which is a new metal band. What? Jada is a little hardcore. Wow. Don't let Fresh Prince stuff fool ya. So she got seduced to the boring side by yes. Will Smith. But every once in a while she still goes on stage in her hardware laden clothing to sing some new metal. She's the lead singer. But just so we're clear, they're each other's beards, right? It's like Scientology nonsense. I'm fine but... with whatever they're doing. I don't feel the need to be a detective about it like I do with what's this face? Swiss, Feast, Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys, who are clearly each other's beards. Because they're just clearly doing some like weird sex stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. That's truly the spirit of gayness if you're going to be straight like that. <laughs> oh, there's so much hot tea being spilled on this episode. I mean, every other week there's like a new thing. Jade is like, I'm having a threesome. Bro. And I'm like, you know what? Live your life. I love it. <laughs> If I had to pick straight people to continue being in this world once the hell mouth opens, I would definitely choose them. Fair enough. Okay. I will support that. <laughs> and Billy Zane. Um, do we want to maybe play a game about Demon Knight? I think we should. I actually have no idea what your game could possibly be, so... Okay, so we talked about the semi-fraught history of how this film came together and how it was originally intended to be the second film, but then Bordello of Blood ended up becoming that, and apparently the key was meant to appear in all of these films. Mm -hmm. Apparently it also does show up in Bordello of Blood, but I can't be bothered to watch that nonsense because I have no interest in seeing <sighs> What's-His-Face, that comedian guy. Dennis Miller, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It, I like you said him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of patience for comedians in movies. Like, they have to be really good to transition over Oh, from that square face to... guy. Okay, wait, no, no. So you know how, like, we said at the beginning of this episode, how I have, like, certain topics that I'm, like, expert in, like, everything else outside of it is, like, you know, nothing. Yeah, I think we led with the deficiency and then talked about right. how you're good at a certain <laughs> couple things, yeah. Well, Joe hates a lot of things. <laughs> I'm just a cynical bitch. Or, like, has, like, groups of things he just really doesn't like, and he's just closed off to it 100%. I mean, same. Um, I, no. <laughs> Trace no, 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 doesn't you support. Don't, don't aspire to be that way. That's not cool. No one likes, <laughs> no, no one likes a bitter bitch. I am a that negative Nancy, the original uh, lesbian. <laughs> fine. <laughs> What's your fucking game, Joe? <laughs> Uh, a, Canadians Unite. Thank you for supporting me, Sarah Ty. <laughs> so the game is Jada gets on a fucking bus and this black collector tries to get on, but he can't because she's, you know, Jimmy proofed it with, you know, blood of Christ, whatever. What does the sequel to Demon Knight look like? You've got to keep Jada. But what else happens? Honestly, my mind just goes to the... Buffy episode where the Hellmouth does open. Mm. <laughs> or like Blade. Yes. The little chamber. Okay. Ooh. I don't have a full movie. I just have an opening shot for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Trace can See, work with I, that. 
Well, I no, I was just thinking like, okay, I, I'm gonna be in the minds of the executive. I'm like, well, it worked the first time. Let's just do it again, and no. it's the exact same concept, but a different setting. So you know, it's like how people are always like, oh, like I wish like a Friday the Thirteenth would like do a winter setting, like put it in like the snow. Oh my god, more Maybe. winter horror. That's what I want, right? So why don't <laughs> like so she's in like the hot like wherever the fuck this movie takes place. Uh, why don't we get her to like Colorado on a ski trip? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i always love the way blood looks in snow so that they have to keep using the, the blood of christ mixed with <laughs> william sadler uh in yeah sure in the snow um yeah no g- give me like a snow cabin slasher demon movie with a bunch of oh a bunch of spring breaking kids mm. oh my god you know what i want i want a crossover i want jada meets blade that's what i want that's exactly what i want Yours is probably the better movie, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Trace, yours kind of sounds like a Winter Evil Dead, which this film sort of has. A this is of like a but... summer Evil Dead inside a church with a mine shaft underneath, mine tunnels. So, I mean, I don't see what the problem is, but whatever. Also, it's very much like they underscore like five times in the film that it's a church, but it does not look like a church. They could have used that to make it more spooky, but it's yeah. just a shack. Yeah. Let's go up to the steeple. We'll be safe there. Hmm. Yes. This just looks like a fucking attic. Ooh, the bell thing. I'll hang off it. <laughs> I was very confused by the geography of this building. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to magically get down to those tunnels without encountering any of the creatures and back up again, despite the fact that when they then get to the top floor, the creatures can get all the way up the stairs. Again, the rules. Yeah, they're they're inconsistent. It's like Fight Club. There are no rules. Yes. <laughs> and we don't talk about them. Yes. Except when they're all safe and they're like, wait, stop the movie. Exposition. There's got to be that one person <laughs> who needs to know the rules. Yeah. And in this case, I think it was, was it, was it, was it CCH Pounder? I feel like it was her, but also Roach. Roach. Yeah, Roach. Yeah. Who once again, mesh her. Sexy Ernest. You know what? My husband has a thing for white trash. Like, he's, like, really turned on by, like, gross, like, white trash-looking people. Wait, what is and this thing th- about you? <laughs> no, I, I have literally asked that exact same question many times. But I feel like, I guess, now you and him would get along. Because, like, just, like, I'll just, like, give y'all mesh shirts to wear. And y'all can just, like, look at yourselves in the mirror. Happy Pride, everybody. <laughs> okay. So, interesting. So, we've got, like... Jada Blade meets Spring Breakers in the winter. Okay. This has been interesting. I don't think it's going to get the green light, kids, but <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I, I want to know what these failed movies were, the ones that did, like, the two that were planned that didn't happen. I was like, what wasn't good enough for Tales from the Crypt? Yeah, and was it honestly just that Bordello of Blood tanked financially so badly? Which, honestly, it's Dennis Miller and fucking vampires. Like, it it basically yeah. sounds like they tried to uh, do uh, the titty twister, but Quentin Tarantino it, beat it, them it, to it. Yeah, it, it probably came out right after From Dust Till Dawn, which I don't even think made that much money anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe John Carpenter's Vampires was around the same time. Oh, yeah, God. That might have been 98, actually. Um, don't quote me on that. Okay. Um, I think we're done. Sarah Ty, anything else you want to you wanna lament? You want to proclaim your love for anything else in Demon Knight? I think I've proclaimed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got this Alan Cumming Anna Paquin revenge story out oh of it. Oh my so. god. Remember when I lost my mind and I almost couldn't talk remembering my Alan Cumming trauma? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, it. it was the highlight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Okay, well, yeah, I think that'll uh, wrap up our discussion of Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. Uh, before we announce what we're covering next week, Sarah Ty, plug away. What would you like to plug? Apart from Billy Zane. Apart from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was clever. I laughed at that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I got a bunch of Zane torrents downloading as we speak. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. at Sarah Ty. No hyphen, because they won't allow it, because they're anti-hyphen. Um, <laughs> you can also find me monthly at the Royal. I do a series called Black Gold, which focuses on um, black representation in film. I do all kinds of film. It's not just... Um, it's not just genre-based. Not just genre, but also not just, like, highbrow stuff. I am really... Yeah. I like to democratize things a lot, so... And Halloween is pretty much around the corner from a programming standpoint and we have some exciting things in store Ooh, Toronto Ooh. folks yeah. represent yeah. <laughs> and i think that's about it all right well uh thank you for joining us sarah ty we really this has been enlightening <laughs> <laughs> well um okay well uh if you want to reach us on twitter you can reach me at traced thurman and i'm at b stole my remote that's the letter b and if you're tweeting about the podcast, please use the hashtag HorrorQueers in your tweets, or you can email us at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. We also now have a newly minted Facebook group that you can join and talk to other listeners about on whatever. Uh, if you have two seconds, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating. If you have 30 seconds, please leave us a rating and a review. It's super easy. If you want even more content, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash horrorqueers, where you can sign up for exclusive bonus episodes covering recent horror films like Ari Aster's Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, if you're a patron, you get a newsletter on the first day of each month that will let you know our entire film schedule for that month, so you can make fun of everyone else who doesn't know. Joe, I feel like since we discussed Aquatic Horror and mentioned David E. Kelly in this episode, you should tell us what we're covering next week, which has both of those things. It's almost like we were planting little nuggets, little clues. Yeah. So I feel used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are going to venture out to the country for a relaxing vacation with Bridget Fonda, and we're going to be checking out Lake Placid. No? Nobody goes for relaxing vacations with Bridget Ponda? No. I've, I've, again, that the movie's the same situation with this one where it's like, I've seen parts of it on TV and I've never seen it uncut in its entirety. Yeah. That was also a big alligator time for films. This is true. And actually, fortuitous timing, it is going to drop the same weekend that Crawl comes to theaters. Yes, double dipping on that. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a crocodile or an alligator. I'm going to have to research what the fuck I don't know what it is. is. <laughs> But I know we got Betty White saying fuck a lot, so I'm in. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, on that note, I think we can cross out Demon Knight. Yes, and cross out Horror Queers. This episode was brought to you by the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, delivering your weekly horror podcast fix. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit bloodydisgusting.com backslash podcast network.